Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 24 from Delving into Islam Q&A. This is your host, Wael, and it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing me to share my knowledge with you. Thank you so much for listening and participating and sending in all your questions and suggestions. Now, speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com, and I will get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. Also, if you want to learn about the you know release dates of the upcoming episodes or the announcements, uh, you know, uh, all the upcoming announcements, you can follow me on Instagram at Delving Into Islam Podcast. Again, Delving Into Islam Podcast for all the upcoming announcements. Uh, now, Delving Into Islam Q&A is a shorter version of our regular topics, which inshallah, I promise we will, you know, be returning to very soon. Uh, and, uh, you know, I directly address or answer your questions. And today's question comes to us from uh, our listener, Sister Islam. Sister Islam, thank you so much for uh, sending in your question. And her question is simply this. What's up with the controversy between dhabiha and non-dhabiha? In other words, halal meat versus non-halal meat. Now, this has been a topic of debate for a while uh, among the Muslim community. Uh, when honest to God, it, it should not be even a, a topic of debate. And I'm going to tell you why, inshallah. Now, uh, but I just want to first point out that, you know, uh, Sister Islam, she was, you know, visiting a family member and then they basically told her that if you do not eat dhabiha, if you eat regular non-dhabiha, again, dhabiha, the word dhabiha means slaughtered according to the Islamic tradition. Dhabiha is literally, the word in Arabic means slaughter. So dhabiha is a slaughtered animal that was slaughtered according to the Islamic tradition. That's what the word dhabiha means, which is again, another word for halal meat. You know, when you go to a store and they say they have the sign or the stamp that says halal meat, that literally means that it's dhabiha. It's the same thing. That is a meat that is slaughtered according to the Islamic sharia or the Islamic tradition. Now, the interesting part is when she went uh, to visit her family members, they told her that, you know, her uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala won't accept her good deeds for 40 days every time she eats a non-halal meat or non-halal food in general. And she is, of course, very, very concerned, you know, regarding like her prayers, her good deeds, anything. Does that mean it's gone to waste every time she eats for 40 days? Also, Islam asked her mom, her mother, about this when she was, I'm assuming, you know, when she had this conversation with her, you know, family members. And her mother basically said, uh, you know, she studied Sharia and Fiqh and she basically told her that, no, you know, it's, it's, she follows the madhab that basically everything is permissible except for, you know, uh, no pork and of course, or alcohol, that's, because pork or, or, or alcohol, this is obviously significant in terms of like very explicit regarding that it's haram to consume in any way, shape or form. So again, Islam, thank you so much for, you know, your question. And I, I want to clear out a few things first before I answer Islam's question. First of all, 
the fact that or the idea that your good deeds won't be accepted for 40 days, that's simply not true. Now, we have two types of actions that make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or basically Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala won't accept your prayers. Not all of your good deeds. Your prayers won't be accepted. And even the word not accepted is very, it's not the accurate word. If I want to use an, you won't get rewarded for prayers for 40 days. If you do one of the following things that I'm going to tell you. Again, only prayers won't be accepted. The rewards of prayers won't be, by the way, uh, the rewards of prayers won't be accepted, but you have to pray. You cannot stop, by the way, if you do stop praying because you know that you did one of the two things that I'm about to mention. And you're like, well, my prayers, I won't get rewarded for 40 days, so I'm not going to pray. You have to pray, otherwise you are sinful. And it's a major, major sin. So there's a big difference between Allah won't give you rewards. You won't be sinful if you still pray. You're just not going to get the rewards of prayers for 40 days if you do, again, one of the two things I'm about to tell you. But if you stop prayers because you're telling yourself, you think you're smart, you're slick, and you say, well, my prayers won't be accepted. I mean, the rewards, I'm not going to get any rewards, so why should I pray? So I'll just wait out for, you know, the 40 days. In that case, you are committing a major, major sin. So you have to pray, yet the rewards uh, won't be given to you for 40 days if you do one of the two things. The first thing is that if you go to a fortune teller. The Prophet ﷺ said in an authentic hadith in Sahih Muslim and Bukhari, مَنْ أَتَى عَرَّافًا فَسَأَلَهُ عَنْ شَيْءٍ لَمْ تُقْبَلْ لَهُ صَلَاءَ لَيْلَةً Explicit. The Prophet ﷺ said, if you go to a fortune teller, because we know that, كَذِبَ الْمُنَجِّمُونَ وَلَوْ صَدَقُوا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, fortune tellers are liars even if it happened that they told the truth. Like, or they told you something that happened. So the Prophet is saying, if you go to a fortune teller trying to know the future, because this is ilmul ghaib, this is literally from the unseen. You cannot go and seek someone's knowledge regarding the unseen. That means you have no trust in Allah. So if you go and ask a fortune teller to tell you your future or all the bogus stuff, or read your palm and tell you, by the way, reading palm, it's, it's a type of fortune teller. Some people, they read the palm and they, are, they tell you what's going to happen to you in the future. That is also a type of, you know, seeking the knowledge of a, or seeking uh, the information from a fortune teller. Anything, you go to anyone who would quote unquote tell you the future. That means you are seeking the help or the, again, the, the, you, you are going and trying to, uh, what's the word? Buy information from a fortune teller. In that case, your prayers won't be accepted for 40 days. But you have to pray. It won't be accepted, meaning the rewards, you won't receive any rewards for 40 days, but you, it's still mandatory upon you to pray all five daily prayers every day. If you don't do so, like I said, you are a major sinner. So that is regarding, that's the first thing. The second thing you would do that won't make your prayers accepted for 40 days is if you drink alcohol. Of course, willingly, not by me. Some people, I've heard cases, some people didn't know that this was liquor or something was liquor. They took a sip, they realized, and they immediately dropped it, and they repented. That's fine. I'm talking about on purpose, deliberately drinking alcohol, getting drunk, 
basically you don't doesn't have, you don't have to get drunk just consuming alcohol in general don't don't misquote me and say oh so if i don't get drunk i'm fine no in consuming alcohol in general if you do that the prophet said if you drink alcohol for 40 days done your prayers won't be accepted again you have to pray the rewards won't be given to you look at this the the, the rest of the hadith wala yamutu fi mathanatihi minha shay'in illa hurrimat alayhi biha al-jannah if your mathana which is your bladder basically if you died and your bladder had any residual any leftover alcohol imagine this jannah paradise is haram upon you you won't see jannah now allah might forgive you and again we know that those who will spend eternity in hellfire uh, are those who disbelieve in allah who those who commit shirk but allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said i will forgive to whoever i want on a day of judgment but for now your verdict when you're dying that you won't see jannah and if Allah wills to forgive you, you will be forgiven. The only people that Allah will never forgive. I want you to understand this. Some people think that when they are Muslims, they by default go to Jannah. That is not the case. That is not the case. As a matter of fact, like this case, if Allah chooses not to forgive you, let's say you died and you have alcohol in your system, again, knowingly, willingly, all these things. The verdict, according to Allah's ruling, you shall never see Jannah. And when I say never, I say never. However, Allah, if He wills, if Allah wants, He will forgive you. So Allah is saying any sin, major or minor, Allah can forgive if He wants. Except for shirk Allah will never so that is the only thing associating someone with Allah basically dying upon anything but Islam then no matter what there is no chance that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive you no chance there is absolutely no chance that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive you but you you know could have uh, again committed major sins Allah would forgive you if he wants that means there's a possibility you could spend eternity in hellfire that's if you do not repent of course you know, I don't, I don't want people to freak out. That's if you do not repent. If you commit a major sin and you're just too oblivious to repent, you don't care about repenting or you forget to repent, again, that, that shows that you're not that good of a believer if you forget to repent every time you you know commit a major sin. Because major sins are big, right? We should repent all the time. By the way, repentance, and I, I don't want to deviate, but like, again, you should repent all the time because sometimes you commit sins that you're not aware of. Especially when you commit major sin, like drinking alcohol. This is a major sin. This is a big, significant thing. So my point is, if you do not repent, you could spend eternity in hellfire. Unless Allah is willing to forgive you. And Allah said that. Allah can forgive whomever He wants. Again, from the Muslims, even if they don't repent. Now, if you repent, this is a different story. Inshallah, Allah will forgive you. Like, I don't want people to be scared and think that, oh, so I'm going to go to hellfire for eternity if I make 
a mistake. No, if you repent, inshallah, you shall be absolutely fine. Even if you do the, the commit the sin again and you keep on repenting, Allah will keep on forgiving. We're talking about those who are too oblivious to repent and die upon, like we said, die upon those major sins. Then there is a possibility they will be forgiven. Again, being a Muslim does not automatically mean you're going to go to paradise uh, if you're a terrible human being. That is not the case. You go to paradise if you follow Allah's commands. If you stay, you, you do your best to avoid you know, all the sins. But that does not mean if you're a terrible person and you're a Muslim, you're still going to go to paradise immediately. No. We, we've been clear on this from the beginning. Allah can forgive you if He wants. Now, the Prophet said, فَإِن مَاتَ فِي أَرْبَعِينَ لَيْلَةً مَاتَ مِيتَةِ الْجَهْلِ So if you die during those 40 days, so let's say you drink, you're drinking alcohol. Now you stayed four days until the alcohol is completely out of their system and you have to do your due basically praying every single day without your prayers being rewarded. If you die during the 40 days, you will die as the, the, the times of Jahiliyyah, which is the, the time before Islam, the dark times before Islam, meaning you're going to die and Jannah is forbidden upon you. And then at this point, you fall under the mercy of Allah or the will of Allah. Whether Allah forgives you or not, it's completely up to Allah. But for you, that's a very evil ending that you basically uh, created for yourself. You created a terrible ending for yourself. Now, those are the only two things that will make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not accept your prayers for 40 days. And of course, it's exponential. The more you do it, the more your time or the period will increase. Now, anything else, we, don't have, we have no proof. So those who are telling you, if you eat non-halal meat or non-halal food, your deeds won't be accepted. Where are they getting that from? I've looked everywhere. I've done my research. There's nothing. When someone claims something like this, please ask them to provide proof. Say, please, uh, I get it. I get what you're saying. Just can you provide proof from the Quran or the Sunnah? Otherwise, it's just, you know, it's a rumor that someone who has no knowledge of Islam was spreading and then people started going with it as it's a fact. So inshallah, that is, you should not worry about that part. Now, let's come to the main issue now, which is dhabiha versus non-dhabiha or halal versus non-halal. So, we have a few things that we go by when it comes to how we eat, how we drink, all these things, right? We have things that are explicitly, explicitly forbidden upon us. Now, I want to tell you this. Most of the meat, most of the food on the face of this earth is halal for us to eat, by the way. About maybe 98 or even I want to say 99 of the food on earth is halal for us. But there's 1%. We have exceptions. Stuff that we're not allowed to eat, such as what? The, more, the, 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 the most known one, the most famous one, or I want to say infamous, is pork. We're not allowed to eat pork. Second thing is, we're not allowed to eat mita, which is uh, simply the dead animal. Dead animals that died before the slaughtering. Dead animals that died before the slaughtering. By the way, all this comes from the chapter of Baqarah, verse number 173. Allah is saying, 
the first again the, the, there are more verses but i'm just telling you those three were mentioned in just one verse almita dead animals that died before the slaughter adama meat that has blood in it meat that has blood in it now some people are saying when i eat my steak for example medium rare or rare now if your steak has blood in it you're not allowed to eat it blood like straight up blood i mean i don't know why would people do that but i know some people do anyway so you have pork you have meta dead animals that died before the slaughtering and you have meat that has blood in it that's why slaughtering is key because when you slaughter in a specific way all the blood comes out of the meat and then you have to wash it very well before you start cooking it now number four al-munkhaniqa what is that animals that died because of choking that would choke to death so in the chapter of maida verse number three allah repeats the first three حُرِّمَتْ عَلَيْكُمُ الْمِيتَةَ وَالدَّمَ وَلَحْمُ الْخِنْزِيرِ Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala adds in, in that verse, in the verse number three in the chapter of Ma'idah. وَالْمُنْخَنِقَةَ وَالْمَوْقُوذَةَ وَالْمُتَرَدِّيَةَ وَالْنَطِيحَةَ So الْمُنْخَنِقَةَ we're, we're now moving on to the, uh, you know, to number four which is, that's the new thing that's mentioned in this verse, is an animal that died out of suffocation or choking, whatever you want to call it. Okay? Al-Mawquudha is basically the animal that was beaten to death. Beaten to death. Al-Mutaraddiya, that's now, so number four was Al-Munkhaniqa, number five, Al-Mawquudha, number six, Al-Mutaraddiya. Al-Mutardeh meaning an animal that fell off a high uh, a high mountain or a high hill some, from a high distance, fell and died. Al-Natiha is the one that literally fights another, like if two animals, they're fighting each other with horns and one of them dies, you're not allowed to eat that one. Now, we know that the general ruling is any animal that dies before slaughtering is uh, is not is not halal for us to eat, right? Al-Mita. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also to be very specifically detailed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning those kind of death. And the last one in this list, وَمَا أَكَلَ السَّبْعُ Meaning any predator, when they attack an animal, you're not even allowed to uh, eat that animal like if they if if animals attacked a specific if if again predators attacked a specific animal to eat it you're not allowed to eat that animal anymore if they died from that so we know that and we're not of course allowed to eat predators and finally we're not allowed to eat anything that, by the way this is key meaning what anything that was slaughtered according to uh, a different like uh, uh, for example paganism and anything that's not related to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or even the uh, the people of the book the Ahlul Kitab which is the Jews and the Christians anything else that basically had anything to do with blatant shirk like paganism idolatry all these things you're not allowed to touch that meat so okay and of course we have like I said drinking wise we have alcohol we're not allowed to touch 
All right, so that makes it very simple, right? So what's the problem? The problem comes in, for example, people who live in the West, in a in like in, in America or in Europe. The problem is that when when we eat meat, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said what? In the chapter of Ma'idah, verse number five, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said what? اليوم أحل لكم الطيبات وطعام الذين أوتوا الكتاب حلا لكم. Allah is saying, you're, the, the people of the book, you're allowed to eat their meat. Okay? Now here comes the debate. We are, for example, in America. That means we can eat McDonald's, we can eat Burger King, we can eat whatever. Because it is a Christian country. We are eating from Christian people. Here's the issue with that. Here's the biggest issue with that. Ready? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the chapter of An'am, verse number 118 said what? And then in verse number 121, same chapter, chapter in An'am. So Allah is saying in verse number 118, eat only from the meat that the name of Allah was mentioned upon uh, its slaughtering. And then in verse number 121, Allah is saying, and do not, you see Allah is confirming twice, and do not eat from any meat that Allah's name is not mentioned upon slaughtering. So it's double confirmation. Now, when you go and get food, and again, I'm not targeting any any like uh, franchise or any 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 place any fast food your typical regular deli and you go get your chicken sandwich it is mandatory that whoever slaughtered that meat when they slaughtered it they slaughtered it according or they mentioned the name of Allah now you're going to tell me to if we're talking about the people of the book how are they going to mention the name of Allah their version of Allah is still ultimately wa ilahana wa ilahukum wahid. Allah is saying in, in those three religions, eventually Allah is one. We have the true version of Allah, but eventually, like for example, Christians, they say we have God and the Son of God, but they do believe in God. What they quote unquote call the Father, we know that it's the only God. Same thing for the Jews people, the, you know, the Jewish people. So now you know that when they slaughter, their meat, they will mention the name of their God. They will do the Christian ritual or the Jewish ritual, which is mentioning the name of God. In that case, we are allowed to eat. That's why we are 100% allowed to eat kosher meat. We're allowed to. Because kosher meat, part of it, what's being kosher, is that they uh, slaughter the animal according to the Jewish tradition, which is they mention the name of God upon it. That's what Allah told us. Now, how do you know? There is no such thing as Christian meat. I mentioned that many times. You don't even, by the way, the person who is slaughtering, the individual who's slaughtering must be upon a belief from one of the three religions. If he's not a Christian, if he does not identify as a Christian, that's a problem. If he does not identify as a Jewish person, if he does not identify, identify as a Muslim, that is a serious problem. Because the, now, 
one of the conditions or one of the requirements is not present anymore. Which is the person must be from the people of the book. That's if it's not halal. We're not talking about halal now. Halal is very clear. Halal, you're on a safe side. Halal, we know it's halal. We're talking about non-halal. Something that's not advertised as halal or nor kosher. Something else. And that's what the whole debate is about. Your normal food in the West. Food that's not labeled halal nor kosher. What are you going to do with that? So that creates a problem because the person, we don't know. A lot of there's a lot of atheists. Atheism is spreading. How would you know? That's number one. Number two, America is a secular country, meaning they separated between the church and the state. So you can't even say that you know America is a identified as a Christian country. The government is identified as a Christian country. We don't know that. We don't know that. Now, I've heard arguments, valid ones, by the way, and actually very few scholars, uh, very few, they're the minority, by the way, who are talking about this, who mentioned this. They say what? They want to, they, they're saying, no, 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 no. It's, we, you don't have to ask. They're saying that. They're saying that you do not have to ask. You are in a country that's predominantly Christian, then you eat and you don't worry about it. You just say Bismillah. Where's this coming from? This is coming from a hadith by the Prophet that was narrated by Aisha radiallahu anha. By the way, this hadith is in Bukhari, where a group of people brought meat to the companions. So the companions took the meat and went to the Prophet and they said, we don't know if they mentioned the name of Allah upon slaughtering, if they did it according to our sharia or not. So the Prophet said, the very famous uh, wording or the very famous phrase, Sammullahu alayhi wa kulu. In another wording, Sammullahu antum wa kulu. Meaning say bismillah and eat. So now some scholars and some people, they take from this hadith that we don't have to check if it's halal or kosher or Christian as long as we are in a predominantly Christian country like the West, Right? And we don't have to ask. We're not required to ask. Here is the most critical thing that they all fail to mention. That group that sent the meat to the companions back in the day, there were no Muslims. They were not non-Muslims. They were not disbelievers. They were new Muslims. And the verdict was, the Prophet said that because there's a big chance they knew because they were, they just came out of Jahiliyyah from you know uh, pre-Islam times, and they became they're newly Muslims, so they might have forgotten to do that. They might have not known to do that. And the Prophet said, "Just say Bismillah. Do not go and verify. Basically, just say Bismillah and eat, because you're not. By the way, in Islam, you're not allowed to doubt your uh, brother or sister in Islam when they." For example, put you food, you're not allowed to question them. It makes them feel uncomfortable. Unless there's something very clear about questioning them, this is a different story. But basically, the Prophet said, these are no Muslims. That's not what all the scholars, by the way, again, there are few. And very, by the way, I respect the few scholars who said that. But again, I completely disagree because they never mentioned this. These people who gave the meat were new Muslims. Yes, they were new Muslims. They were uh, disbelievers, but now they're, when they gave the meat, they were Muslims. So the Prophet is basically saying, do not question those new Muslims. Do not make them feel uncomfortable. 
just say bismillah and eat and let's assume because they don't know it's like a coin toss that they do it or not but when you're getting your meat from non-muslims and it's known that they don't again there's no such thing as christian meat you have to ask you see the difference when you go like for, I'm, I'm make it more simple for if you go and eat at someone's house a muslim brother or a muslim a friend and you don't know if they eat dhabiha or if they eat halal meat and they served you meat you're not allowed to ask them by the way you say bismillah and you eat even if you have doubts you don't ask you don't question that is what's meant here that is what's meant in that hadith you do not question but if you know for a fact, if you're going to a non-Muslim person and you know for a fact that, you know, they didn't get it from a halal place or a kosher place, this is you're allowed to question now. They're not Muslims. You're not allowed to question Muslim brothers or sisters when they serve you food because, again, you don't want them to feel uncomfortable. Just say bismillah and eat. The Prophet told us that. That's what they failed to mention. This is significant in that story. Let me give you an example of why you should question the source of your meat. When the Prophet ﷺ was performing Hajj, so he was traveling from Medina to Mecca with the companions, and with the companions, there was a companion by the name, by the way, I mentioned this uh, when we talked about, when we were talking about the biography of the Prophet ﷺ, there was a companion by the name of uh, Abi Qatada, and he was not upon Ihram. Of course, for those of you who don't know, when you're performing Hajj, you have to be upon something called the state of Ahram, which is basically you are not allowed to hunt. For example, you're not allowed to you know pluck any trees or any plants. You're not allowed to fight or kill. All these things in within the Haram and while you are in the state of Ahram. So uh, on the way there, they separated. So the Prophet took a group, and then the other group was you know with uh, Abi Qatada. And they were all uh, were supposed to meet up because now Abu Abi Qatada was not in the state of Ahram, and the Prophet knew that he was not upon Ahram. Like he did not. Every el- everyone else were in the state of Ahram except for Abi Qatada, and some scholars they say maybe for some like strategic reasons because at the time they were still enemies of Islam, of course. So maybe for protection or you know something like that uh, that they are willing to fight if you know they are required to. Anyway, so on the way, the, 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 they were sitting together, they were camping, and then Abi Qatada saw that they were looking, uh, the companions were looking at something behind him, but they didn't say anything. So he looked, and he found zebras, which we call al-humur al-wahshi. Al-humur al-wahshi, zebras, right? So he found zebras, and by the way, zebras are, at, you know, in that space, in that place, it's halal to eat, by the way, it's not haram. But actually, there's another distinction that we're not allowed to eat donkey meat. Donkey meat. We're not allowed to eat donkey meat. The Prophet said that the humur al-wahshi or the zebras are halal, but the regular donkeys are not haram, which is, a, the, it's kind of the same family, if you want to call it. So that's another thing. We're not allowed to eat donkeys, and this is based on a hadith by the Prophet ﷺ. Anyway, so he saw that, you know, they were looking at zebras, so he ran to his horse and grabbed his spear, and then on his way, his whip, you know, that he wanted probably to use to either 
you know, uh, control the horse or control the zebras in a specific direction, fell, fell off the, the horse or fell off his hands while he was riding the horse. So he told the companions, hey, can you get me my whip, please? Give it to me. They said no. He looked at them and then they said, we're upon a haram. We're not going to help you hunt any animals. We're not going to do that. And he had to stop the horse. He got off his, uh, you know, his uh, horse, went to get the whip, came back on and he was able to catch on to the to the zebra and then he hunted it, slaughtered it, and then they cooked the meat. Now, here's the interesting part. Some of the companions ate. Some didn't eat. And the reason why they didn't eat is because they were scared that this animal was hunted while they were in the state of ahram. Hence, they're not allowed to eat it. Then when they met with the Prophet wasallam, they went to the Prophet and they asked, O Prophet of Allah, this happened. And we did not want to eat because we uh, thought that this will be unacceptable in Islam. So the Prophet asked him, did you help him uh, hunt that animal? They said no. He said, did you even motion to him? Did you give him any tips? They said no. Then the, then the Prophet said, then it's halal for you to eat. And if you have some left, Bring me some to basically solidify that this is halal for them to eat. Now, the moral of the story, look at how the companions are worried about the source of their meat or the source of their food. They don't even want to risk. They probably were really hungry, but they couldn't even eat that meat because, again, they thought that this was hunted while they were being in a state of haram. And that is... Very fascinating. They were not willing to eat and they didn't eat until the Prophet gave them basically the green light. Yes, you can eat it and gave me even some. Look at that. And it's a dedication because you don't want to anger Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you don't want to eat haram. Right? Now, I want to move on to not even forget about humans now. And this is also a famous story that I mentioned uh, in season four which is the conversion of the jinn. So the jinn were preached Islam by the Prophet ﷺ directly. I had a whole episode about that. Go back and listen to it. It's fascinating. And when the Prophet ﷺ preached Islam, told them about Islam, told them about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they, a specific tribe, they became Muslims. And then they went to preach Islam to other jinn, by the way. That's why we know that there are believer jinn. There are good jinn in the world. The point is, when they accepted Islam, that tribe of jinn, when they accepted Islam, what did they tell the Prophet ﷺ? How are we going to eat now? Wait, what? Because evil jinn, they eat when you do not say Bismillah. You know that shaitan eats with you, your own food, when you forget to Mention the name of Allah Or when you just don't care About mentioning the name of Allah Shaitan literally eats from the same plate Now they're not shayateen anymore They're not disbelievers anymore They became Muslims Do you guys understand? They became Muslims They say now When people don't say Bismillah That that was our source of food Many people in the Arabian Peninsula At least Or again, jinn can fly around the world so basically to them, it's very easy. 
Anybody who does not say Bismillah, they can eat their food. They are full every single day. How are we going to eat now? What is the, how does it work for Muslim jinn now? Can you, this was their concern, one of their concerns, of course. Can you imagine? They care so much about the source of their food. Jinn, my dear brothers and sisters. Then the Prophet, of course, gave them the good news that every believer who says Bismillah, your, your basically uh, a bone will be filled with meat for you to eat and you're going to be eat and full and again from the uh, uh the 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 what call the the feces of the animal the dung of the camels will be food for your animals and again it trans we talked about this so don't worry when believers eat and they say bismillah you will be full you're going to find food and you're going to eat food don't worry about it so that's why i always say to our dear brothers and sisters don't forget to say Bismillah because you might be feeding a Muslim believer jinn somewhere. You're not just feeding yourself. You're not just having the blessings of you know eating food with the name of Allah is mentioned upon eating. You're not just preventing evil shaitan from eating with you. You're also feeding a believer jinn, a good jinn when you say Bismillah. So again, they care so much about, are we eating haram now? Because we used to eat haram before. Now we're Muslims. The point is, don't try to figure out, and, and again, this is, at now I told you what's reality. I told you all the verses in the Quran that basically say, when you eat from any meat, any, any meat, the name of Allah must be mentioned upon it. And Allah is saying, do not eat any meat Then the name of Allah was not mentioned upon slaughtering. We're talking about slaughtering. And and again, we kind of said that, okay, when this incident that there were a group of people who gave meat to the Prophet they were Muslims. They were new converts. The companions were worried because they didn't know. Did they, do they know that they should say Bismillah before slaughtering or not? And the Prophet in that case said, do not embarrass your brothers. He did not say that literally. But basically he said, just say Bismillah and eat because... What are you going to do? Go question them? There are no Muslims. Do not make them feel uncomfortable. So the whole idea of just say Bismillah and eat, knowing that your food is not coming from a halal place or even a kosher place, is to me lazy approach. And the Prophet ﷺ always said, well, this is the beautiful hadith. اجتنبوا shubuhat." Stay away from the gray areas. When there is an area when you don't know if you're eating what you're eating is halal or haram, and there's a big debate about it. And it should not be a debate, wallahi. But let's say there is a debate. Some people are pushing back. Stay away from the gray area. Just do what's right. Take the stricter opinion. By the way, this is the words of the Prophet. ﷺ. Take the stricter opinion if there's a gray area, which is eat halal. Now, halal food is everywhere now in the West, by the way. Everywhere. By the way, as Muslims, we're allowed to eat any food from the sea, by the way, from the ocean. Any type of fish, any type of seafood, we're good. Because I know there's this notion that we're not, we can't eat uh, any shellfish or anything with shells. Or No, that is not true. Even predators of the ocean we're allowed to eat. We're not allowed to eat predators outside of the ocean. Like like I said, lions and wolves and all these things, we're not allowed to eat their meat. But you're, you're because they also eat meat. They feed on other animals, right? Uh, but we are allowed to eat, like shark. You can eat shark meat, by the way. You can, I have actually tried shark before. Uh, it doesn't taste that great, but again, I've tried it. 
you can eat predators in the water, in the ocean, in the sea, whatever you want to call it, from the fish. You're fine. So the Prophet ﷺ, again, was very explicit. And if you're, you know, you have family members who are telling you, no, you should do this, stay. And, and that was why, and this is now, I'm going to give you my own opinion. I always, when there is a lot of debate, and again, this is not a lot of debate. Halal food, dabiha food is the recommended food or kosher. You can eat kosher. So if you have in front of you halal food, halal meat or kosher, go ahead. No problem. It's everywhere. Wallahi, everywhere. Before, maybe we used to struggle, but now, even regular restaurants, they sell like franchise restaurants, they have the option of halal food. Not all of them, but some of them have the option of halal meat. Like there's a burger place uh, by my house, and uh, they, they're, the, the franchise itself is not halal, but they literally have a halal option. You can call them and say, I want the halal option and then give them what you want from the menu or you know request whatever you want from the menu and it's halal. So it's not that crazy anymore. You know what I mean? It's not that crazy anymore. Also, you can eat seafood like I said. If you go to let's say you're going to a restaurant, you have to go to this specific restaurant and you don't know what to eat. There's no halal options in that restaurant. Eat seafood, eat fish or veggie option. We can eat veggie as much as we want. Again, it's all halal. I want to now, so I hope that, again, answers your question, Sister Islam. Uh, again, this is the ruling. These are the facts. These are the proof from the Quran and the Sunnah. And that that is also the approach that I take, which is the majority of the scholars. By the way, the majority of the scholars, they take the approach of either the biha or uh, or kosher because there's no such thing as Christian food. Nobody is, you know what I mean? Like they do not identify or do not label their food as Christian food. It's just regular food. An atheist could be slaughtering that animal. That makes it haram. Uh, in certain factories, they kill the animal before the slaughtering. In food processing, look up that documentaries. It's kind of freaky. You know, in some places, they snap the necks of chicken, for example. They die way before slaughtering. That is haram. That is mita. You're not allowed to eat that meat. And even if it's slaughtered before death, uh, I mean, slaughtered to die or to, you know, to consume, it has to be by a believer or someone from the people of the book and mentioning the name of God upon the slaughtering. If the if the companions back in the day used to verify, if the jinn used to verify, we're not allowed to verify. We're not supposed to verify. So I followed the the majority of the opinion, inshallah, regarding that. Now I have two points, and I'm going to end with that, inshallah. The first thing is, some people say, what if a place is, you know, has a label of halal, but they're not actually halal? How would you know that? You don't. If the place has a sign. And it's a Muslim place You eat And if God forbid It's not halal It's on them Not on you Because they are Advertising that They have halal meat Because how are you Going to verify You're going to go In the kitchen Ask for like Document It doesn't work like that And we know that We have to be also realistic Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is merciful We cannot verify To that extent If they have a label It's halal Okay Then that's it If they're very Infamously known That they don't have halal Don't go to that place if, but if if the if some people are talking, 
but they have the label of halal, then just go. Now, uh, that's one uh, one angle that, 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 uh, or one point. The second point is uh, regarding eating uh, like the veganism, for example, or vegetarian people, right? From the Muslims, they say that we don't want to eat meat because how they process the animal, how the cruelty and all these things. Okay, that is all noted, but you cannot... Now, eat, being a vegan or being a, a vegetarian is fine. It's halal in Islam. As long as you don't say that eating meat is haram. This becomes a problem. Eating meat is, is halal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created animals for us to ride, to basically reap the benefits and eat from their meat. This is in the Quran. Again, the halal animals that we mentioned, you know, without the exceptions that we mentioned. Now, for you to come and say it's haram to eat that, you cannot say that. But you can say, I prefer not eating meat. Okay, no problem. You have no problem at all. Because some people also try to go to the other extreme, which is being a vegan is haram because you're not eating or enjoying what Allah gave you. No, it's a, eating food is a luxury. And it's a choice. As long as the choice is in the boundaries of what's halal and what's permissible. That's it. As long as you're not saying about something that's halal, that it's haram, then you're good. So I hope I was able to answer your question. Thank you so much for listening. Wassalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.